on Morning Redeemer King. Do you know, in our tradition, the kind of the new church, the, the, the kind of church planting movement where churches have sprung up in homes and schools. Um, over many years now, and this movement started way back, 60s, 70s, they got rid of what they call graven images. In fact, that happened way back in the Reformation of the church, the 1500s. Uh, they took you know, lots of ornaments down and uh, things they might consider to be idols, big crosses got taken down and, and uh, priests stopped wearing robes and all that kind of stuff. And just like ordinary people, just saying, uh, it's all about Jesus, all about Jesus. But as part of that, um, they got rid of uh, symbols. Um, maybe some things are quite important. Look, I'm, I'm just going to give you, just, just as an aside, I'm going to give you a rare insight into my very private life. You you may think that Andy Kine's Alan came first. This came first. Cookie Monster. He is... Uh, 40 years old, nearly 41, and um, has come with me uh, into every study I've ever had, sitting quietly on the shelf. Uh, why? I, I'm not totally sure, but there's obviously, I mean, look at the state of his eyes now. There's obviously, uh, <laughs> that's still finding comical, there's obviously something in me about remembering the moment when my mum and dad gave him to me and um he's literally incredibly tatty um and i don't want to get him restored i just he's growing old uh, graciously gracefully uh like me it does remind me of my childhood and um there's something about that isn't there anyway um i do have other things in my office this was from the um, Cliff College uh, floor. Um, it's been trodden on for many, many years. Uh, the old chapel at Cliff College, many, many, many years of people praying and walking. And I keep this on my bookshelf. They, they gave it to me after lecturing there once. As a reminder of the faithfulness of, of God over many generations, I, I keep a, a little Playmobil Luther, which, Annie got for me uh, one year uh, as a present. Uh, it reminds me of those who've gone before us who, who risked their lives uh, to bring us what we have now. That stays on my shelf. And sometimes I walk around in with this in my pocket. It's a holding cross. It's because sometimes all we can do is cling onto the cross, right? Why do, I, why do I surround myself with these things? And you'll notice in the background I've got a an iron cross made by an iron monger. It's quite raw. It's heavy. I just nail that into the wall of my study. These things remind me of the faithfulness of God. Um, they remind me that others have gone before me, that I'm just part of a jigsaw one of many leaders that have tried to walk before the Lord with all their struggles, their ups and downs. I'm part of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who pray 
And, and I, I am simply a man who clings onto the cross and you are simply a woman or man who clings onto the cross. And I, that just reminds me when I pray in the morning because I do need things to keep me grounded. Uh, to keep me mindful of the faithfulness of God, to, to help me remember that God has been with me. And, and this is stamped through scripture, actually. Um, there's a place called Ebenezer in the Bible, and you'll read about this in, in 1 Samuel 4.1. It's where the Israelites camped before battle with the Philistines. And in 1 Samuel 7 verse 12, they, they place a stone, Samuel places a stone and he says, thus far the Lord has helped us. Um, this, this, we raise our Ebenezer, it's a, it's a memory that actually in a time of crisis, the Lord was there. And why did they do that? Because they needed to know that when the next crisis happened, thus far the Lord has helped us. Remember Ebenezer. And they did that as well in um a place called uh, Gilgal. Uh, you'll read about a place called Gilgal. It was a place where the Israelites crossed the Jordan and camped. And again, they, they made a pile of stones there to remember God's faithfulness. And, and there's actually an intriguing story. It's one of my favourite stories in the Bible in Judges 3, where Ehud uh, walks past Gilgal and where the Lord had been so faithful, the people of God had forgotten and had now erected idols and then he had saw red and actually as a result of that liberated God's people in a very violent encounter with a guy called King Eglon I'd suggest you read about it it's not something maybe for a, a morning a relaxing morning with a coffee nor is it bedtime reading but read it Memories are, are so important. In Joel 1, 3, we're told to pass on the stories of God's faithfulness from generation to generation. Why is this so important? Well, because of the human condition. We so easily forget the goodness of God and we so easily stumble off the path and we so easily start to please ourselves and do our own thing and stray off the path of holiness. Karen and I, after two and a half decades of frontline ministry, have seen this over and over and over again and the pressures even on our own lives to to just walk away or just to slowly but surely let your faith be diluted. Let, let me let me read this. This this ending in Nehemiah chapter 13, as we draw our Nehemiah series to a close, is actually tragic. Nehemiah built the walls in 52 days. He'd, they had staved off attacks and opposition. They, there was logistical excellence, but also miracles. And they saw the provision of God. They saw their enemies melt away, it says in Scripture. 
because they saw they were doing this with the help of our God. The, the sense of God's presence with them would have been overwhelming. And, and Nehemiah puts 12 years of his life into this, and now he's travelling backwards and forwards to Babylon. We don't know uh, how long he was away for, but what we do know is, is that he was away for long enough that things have started to slip. Look at this. This is uh, Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 15. At that time, I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath. They were also bringing in stores of grain and loading them on donkeys along with wine, grapes and figs. All kinds of goods are being brought to Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So I warned them against selling food on that day. The Tyrians living there were importing fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem. Now... Nehemiah is actually quite ferocious in places. Uh, sometimes ferocity is required. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Didn't your ancestors do the same so that our God brought this disaster on us and on this city and now you're rekindling his anger against Israel by profaning the Sabbath? When shadows began to fall on the city gates of Jerusalem just before the Sabbath, I gave orders and the city gates be closed, not open until after the Sabbath. I posted some of my men at the gates so no goods could enter during the Sabbath day. Once or twice, the merchants and those who sell all kinds of goods camped outside Jerusalem. But I warned them, why are you camping in front of the wall? If you do it again, I'll use force against you. After that, they did not come again on the Sabbath. Then I instructed the Levites to purify themselves and guard the city gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember for me this also, my God, and look on me with compassion according to the abundance of your faithful love. In those days I saw Jews who married women from Ashdod, Ammon and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples but couldn't speak Hebrew. So they're losing their traditions and culture and customs and identity as God's people already. I rebuked them, cursed them, beat some of their men and pulled out their hair. That's, that's strong leadership. I forced them to take an oath before God and said, you must not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters as wives for your sons or yourselves. Didn't King Solomon of Israel sin in matters like this? And so it goes on. Why then should we hear about you doing all this terrible evil and act unfaithfully against our God by marrying foreign women? Remember them, my God, for defiling the priesthood as well as the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. So I purified them from everything foreign and assigned specific duties to each of the priests and Levites. I also arranged for the donation of wood at the appointed time and for the first fruits. Final words of Nehemiah. Remember me, my God, with favour. What an astonishing ending. I mean, again, it's the character of Nehemiah. He's not painting a rose-tinted picture here. Where there was success, there was success, but right at the end, the people of God are, are falling away. And, and this is fascinating for me, actually, because you see this throughout history and in, and in modern times where a, a leader, a visionary leader, is no longer present. Things slip, like take Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church. And, and Methodism now is in terminal decline. Booth and the Salvation Army. Radical, radical movement. 
soul winning, 100% all about gospel proclamation. The Salvation Army today are amazing. The, the work they do amongst boys is amazing, but not what they were when Booth was at the helm. And there are many other leaders in scripture, Moses and, and others. When their presence is withdrawn, the people seem to be dependent on the leader. I think that's the unique thing about this chapter in world history, the coronavirus years. We're not able to gather in the way that we were. And now our faith is dependent on our walk with God personally. So we'll be taking communion straight after this talk today. I know there'll be those listening to this after today, but that's what we're doing today. And so I want to put an emphasis on just a couple of things here. Uh, number one, your faith will endure and survive and thrive as and when you take responsibility for it. Now, I've said this several times lately because I really feel it. And you expect me to say this because of what I do, and, and every church leader says this, but you have to put the drills in, you have to put the disciplines in, in order to stay on a narrow path. It's not magic. We, we must keep ourselves in the word. You must keep yourselves in God's presence, yourselves. And, and I read this out at our Q&A, the, the verses from Jude 1, as you build yourself up in your most towards the end of the book that is vitally important but also here's a little thing you can do if you've got kids what i used to do with my kids was tell the stories of faith that i'd accumulated things that i'd seen god do i wanted to follow this the whole principle of tell your children they'll tell your children and they used to say to me, and then they, oh, tell us one of your stories of what you've seen God do. And they did two things. One, it built faith in them. And two, it built faith in me. And it helped me remember the faithfulness of God in my life. His goodness. Because there are times when God seems far away. There are times when he feels distant. There are painful chapters in our lives. There are periods that are extremely tough sometimes when we think we're not going to get through it and stuff that Karen and I have been through over the years means that I am not the same person talking to you now that I was a year ago I'm not some parts of me have had to die some parts of me have been wounded but I remember the faithfulness of God I mean, as you emerge out of the tough times, you'll realise that he used it. You don't realise that at the time. But the secret is not to fall away when times are tough. So tell the stories and it will remind you. If you haven't got kids, have some forum, some group where you meet. But don't make Jesus absent. So many times Christians get together, but they don't talk about the Lord. Or the things that he is doing. I remember many years ago now, in the early 2000s, when I was senior minister of a Baptist church. And the church was growing and thriving and we were church planting. All sorts of exciting things happened. It was exploding. 
But the most exciting thing for me was once standing in the queue for coffee at the end, back in the old days when we could do that. And I heard people talking about the Lord. Oh, God did this. Oh, the Lord did that. And it wasn't manic. It wasn't weird. It was just natural. And I thought, wow. God is really present in their lives. And they're feeling it. People will be praying for each other in the coffee queue. It's beautiful. So in whatever social grouping you're in, talk about the things the Lord has done. And talk about the things the Lord is doing. Keep him present. When you get together for drinks or food, encourage each other in your faith. Even in the darkest times, there might be someone there who is really struggling and they need that. But they may fall away. We don't want to be those who have seen God build Redeemer King, build Redeemer King and seen beautiful things and someone this is last week and a bunch of people finding faith in Christ there's beautiful stuff happening people being set free from poverty and, and then just start pressing down the grapes on the Sabbath you know, a metaphor for just doing our own thing and ignoring the Lord to build each other up make sure God is present tell the stories of the things that he has done build those disciplines in as I said, because then when you have your Joseph moment, remember Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and faced terrible sexual temptation and, and he was able to hold the line. Because he'd obviously built this relationship with his father, his heavenly father. Do that. And maybe think about the things you need to surround yourself with. Um, there's a couple of things that I do as well as this. Um, I do have an app uh, for constantly streaming worship music that I particularly like, which is the old school stuff. Uh, where I sit in my house, I've got a Bible beside my chair. I've got a Bible beside my bed. I've got a Bible in my room. When I was in my previous house, I did pretty much keep a Bible present all the time. And, uh, you know, we have these devotionals from UCB uh, pinging to our emails at two o'clock in the morning. So it's their first thing in the morning. Karen and I have that. And sometimes we'll talk about that. And I personally use the Dwell app uh, reading scripture to me. So I have a scripture reading plan, which I use when I'm on road trips. Why? Not because I'm being a religious nutter, but because I know what I need to do to keep God present. How sad they saw God do all those things and then they lost it how sad we are we are in our potential desert experience now wandering along waiting for the signs of the promised land when will we gather again when will we meet what how, how's church gonna work itself out over the next year or so maybe longer maybe even up to three years and we Discuss with this in the Q&A and notes are coming out to you. But you know what will hold us together? Remembering the goodness of the Lord. Keeping yourself in his presence. Cheering each other on. Talking about him. Being a blessing to each other. So we are not like the people in the book of Nehemiah who saw all the goodness of God 
and then forgot and just gone about their own thing. Let's meet now and take communion together. Remember his goodness, remember Jesus, our saviour, our rescuer, our captain, brother, rescuer and friend, died on a cross for you and rose again so that we can be with our Father in heaven. And here's the final thought. No matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've strayed off the path, he's the God of a thousand second chances. He writes no man or woman off and there is always a way back because of his goodness. We are, we are not like the people of Nehemiah who Nehemiah had to stomp around pulling people's hair out and shouting at them and threatening violence. All we need to do is get on our knees, or not even on our knees, just sit where we are and say, God, here I am. Thank you for Jesus. Wipe the slate clean, give me a fresh start. Fill me with your spirit so that I can be the kind of man or woman you know I ought to be. We're not going to press down the grapes on the Sabbath. We'll follow you and we'll stay on a narrow path. God bless you all.